In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. One mysterious result of Christ's death and resurrection is the transformation of each of our bodies into a dwelling place for the living God. Christ's resurrection made us all into little temples. It's hard to comprehend that God, who once dwelt in the temple's holy of holies, now dwells in each one of us. St. Paul speaks to the Corinthians as if this is common knowledge. He says with some exasperation, Know ye not, that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. St. Paul isn't making a nice analogy between our bodies and the temple. He is being literal. We are temples, and our lives are living sacrifices rising up to God. We are also the individual stones in a greater temple. St. Peter says that we are living stones built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. We are the living stones of Christ's mystical body. I can hardly think of a more significant vocation than being made into a temple for the living God, and this is our vocation as Christians. St. Paul makes it clear that our status as temples for the Holy Ghost should impel us to live godly lives. Our lives should shine with the Holy One living inside of us. Origen, writing in the third century, says that Christ is especially jealous for the house of God in each of us, not wishing it to be a house of merchandise or that the house of prayer becomes a den of thieves. God wishes nothing alien to his will to be mingled with the soul of anyone, and especially with the souls of those who wish to receive the divine faith. Lent is the season for cleaning house, the season for cleansing our inner temples through self-examination, confession of sin, and absolution a time when we invite Jesus to clear all the sin from our lives and make us worthy habitations for his Holy Spirit. The same zealous concern Jesus has for his Father's house in our gospel passage, he has for our inner lives. 
He wants nothing alien mingled with our souls and to rid our souls of all sin. Just as he drives out the oxen, sheep, and the money changers complicitly, complacently sitting in the holy temple, so he will drive out our sin if we let him. But we must recognize and confess our sins. We must repent before he can do so. And when we do, he will make a whip and drive the sin out. During our recent Lenten quiet day, Father Clem observed how easy it is for us to acknowledge our sinfulness and lament our fallenness, but how difficult it is to acknowledge our specific sins. It's easy to say, I am a sinner, but hard to say that we lied on our tax forms or admit our hate for a specific person. It's easy to say, I am a sinner, but hard to confess the lust we have for our neighbor's wife or husband, or admit our specific jealousies. It's easy to keep things general, but very difficult to get specific. This Lent, let us confront the money changers complacently sitting in our own souls, who sit leisurely because they see little chance of being confronted. They quietly go about their business because they haven't been named for what they are. They continue their inner rot, which ultimately leads to death. C.S. Lewis, reflecting on the importance of confronting our sins, writes, It's not for me to decide whether you should confess your sins to a priest. Confession is a great good. But if you do not, you should at least make a list on a piece of paper and make a serious act of penance about each one of them. It is essential to use plain, simple, old-fashioned words like theft, fornication, or hatred, and not slur things over. If this process has gone through, I do not doubt that most of us will come to understand and share these old liturgical words like contrite, miserable, and intolerable. Lewis says that we must be specific in the face of sin, not because we have a morbid interest in sin, but so we can confront it, confess it, and put it behind us. He warns against the anguish of a mass of unrepented and unexamined sins lurking in the background of our minds. Sin cannot be challenged without Christ. We cannot go to battle without his sanctifying whip, the same whip he used to drive out the money changers. Our collect correctly acknowledges that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. St. Paul in our passage 
from Romans gives a concise summary of our existential predicament and also our great hope. He observes that he doesn't even understand his own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Then it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells within me. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Most of us can closely identify with Paul's struggle. Some of us have experienced how Temptation seems to intensify whenever we try to take our faith more seriously. Sin truly is close at hand. St. Paul cries out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is Christ that frees us from this predicament and breaks the bonds of sin. There's a wonderful scene in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, where a shadowy ghost from hell stands on a bright, grassy plain with the mountains of heaven towering in the distance. The ghost rode a bus from hell to investigate the possibility of going to heaven. Hell, we find, is a choice. All of his travel mates, also from hell, quickly realize that heaven isn't the place for them. They decide that serving themselves in hell is preferable to serving God in heaven. This ghost is different. There is hope for him. An angel meets our ghost on the grassy plain. The ghost is arguing with a small, fiendish lizard who lives on his shoulder and whispers in his ear as he walks to the bus headed back to hell. The lizard, who promised to be quiet while in heaven, has intensified his temptations. The lizard, of course, is the voice of sin. The ghost knows that his incessant lizard won't be allowed in heaven. The angel who towers over him calmly asks the ghost if he would like him to kill this creature and silence his destructive influence. Does the ghost want to be rid of his sin once and for all? The ghost balks at the angel's offer and says he doesn't think the lizard necessarily needs to die, but maybe just quieted down a bit. He tells the angel that he will go back down to hell to consider his offer to remove this evil creature. He says he's not sure that he would survive the separation from the lizard. 
The angel and the ghost go back and forth, and eventually, in a fit of agony and desperation, the ghost finally screams for the angel to kill it, and the angel does. With the lizard gone, the shadowy ghost begins to grow bigger, brighter, stronger, and more real. He begins to grow denser. At last he rides into the heavenly mountains. God is turning us into holy dwelling places for his spirit. The process of letting go of sin is painful, but God's plans for us are big and begin with repentance. Lewis asks each of us to imagine ourselves as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what God is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.